Our sermon this afternoon is from Mr. Barnabas Grayson. It is entitled, Jesus, Light of the World. Good afternoon, everyone. You know, it's kind of hard to say uh, those greetings because when you know that there is so much trouble and darkness in the world, that it's kind of hard for me to say and also, in a way, hard to accept knowing that there are people who are suffering at this moment in time. But we dwell on the positives. We look to the light of Jesus, to the light of his word, and so that is what we're going to look at today. A portrait of Jesus, part three, where he says, I am the light of the world. In the movie Star Wars, one of them at least, Darth Vader said, if only you knew the power of the force, of the dark side. But it was Obi-Wan Kenobi, and I suppose made, many of you may have seen these uh, movies, as I have. I can't remember which one was which, but Kenobi said to him, he said, You can't win, Darth. If you strike me down, I shall become more powerful than you can possibly imagine. As we know, there's a lot to the, to the scenes in the movie, to the subject matter that's in those movies that can apply to our time today. Like the struggle between good and evil, the struggle between light and darkness. We know that Satan is the dark force of this world. We know that Jesus is the light source, the light who overcame Satan's temptations. We know that Satan tempted Jesus with all the cities of the world that he could have rule over them. In the book of Matthew chapter 4, it's not, not on your handout if you have one now. In Matthew chapter 4, at verse 8, it says, The devil took him up in, into an exceeding, a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and the glory of them. And he said unto him, All these things will I give you, if ye will fall down and worship me. And Jesus then Jesus said unto him, Get you hence, Satan, for it is written, You shall worship the Lord your God, and him only, him only shall you serve. Then the devil left him, and behold, the angels came and ministered to him. So we know that over time, when we read the Bible about the history of this uh, confrontation, Jesus was struck down eventually, but now he sits in power at the right hand of God. He sits there on high to bring light unto the world as our source of light. So we know that there are opposite forces in the world. There's good and there's bad, and we see them as light and dark. And in this age, we see that men love darkness more than light. Whatever appeals to self-interest, whatever appeals to their vanity, whatever appeals to their pride, 
they would use oppression and deception and even war to gain their will, to gain their way. In Ephesians 6.12, it's not on your handout either, it says that we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers of darkness, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places, and that we are to stand having our loins girt with truth and with righteousness. So Jesus is the light of the world. Now it was early in the morning. Now Jesus had gone to the Mount of Olives and it was early in the morning when he went again unto the temple and all the people who could, you know, came to see him. And there he sat down and he taught. And there also came the scribes and the Pharisees and they brought to Jesus a woman who was taken in adultery. And in John chapter 8, verse 4 and they said unto him master this woman was taken in adultery in the very act now Moses in the law commanded commanded us that such should be stoned but what do you say so Jesus they said this tempting him that they might have something to accuse him of and Jesus stooped down and with his finger wrote on the ground as though he didn't hear them. So when they continued asking him, he lifted up himself, that is, he straightened himself up, unbent himself, and he said unto them, He that is without sin among you, let him first cast a stone at her. Let him throw the first stone. So what we're seeing in this is that we're not to be, you know, so eager to condemn someone without looking into our own life, without Christ himself shining a light into our hearts and our minds and our souls to see what's there before, you know, we act in judgment and condemn others. But again, he stooped down, verse 8, and he wrote on the ground, and they which heard it being convict, convicted by their own conscience went out one by one, beginning at the eldest, even unto the last, and Jesus was left alone. And the woman standing in the midst. When Jesus had lifted up himself and saw none but the woman, he said unto her, Woman, where are your accusers? Has no one, has no man condemned you? And she said, No man, Lord. And Jesus said unto her, Neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. Then Jesus spoke unto them again, that's, you know, the crowd that was gathered there un, uh, unto him to hear him teach, and he sat down and taught. And he said, I am the light of the world. He that follows me shall not walk in darkness, but shall have the light of life. So there is darkness when there is sin. There is darkness when there is all kinds of troubles and trials that you can't see the light. It's like the darkness wants to overwhelm and dim that light that we, that we see. But Jesus came to shine a light into the mind and hearts and the souls of men in which this woman eventually saw that who was about to be stoned for her sin or could have been stoned for her sin that the man that walked away 
A light was shown in their own hearts, and they realized that they also had sin and could not, could not judge righteously. They realized that they were not perfect, and the woman saw in her, in her standing there that she was free to go, but sin no more. She also saw the light. Now this, I think this event, I would say this event transpired to illustrate what Jesus was sent to do. And that was to verify that he was sent as a light unto the world. That he came into the world to bring sinners into repentance. People that are transgressing the law of God. People that need repentance so that this darkness of the world that in the median area of where they are can be lifted. Not to destroy, he didn't come to destroy, but to save. In Matthew 9.13, we read where Jesus said, I will have mercy, mercy and not sacrifice, for I am not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. And we know elsewhere the Bible says that all have sinned, that there is none righteous. So in a previous uh, sermon uh, in this uh, Portraits of Christ, we saw in John 14, 6 that Jesus said that he, that I am the way, the truth, and the life, and that there is no other name under heaven by which man can be saved. And he also said that I am the bread of life, that he is the giver of life to the world, and that we need to partake of that bread, that bread of truth that gives light and gives life. So this afternoon, we'll look at another uh, uh, saying of his where he says, I am the light of the world, as we read there in uh, chapter 8, verse 12. In verse 6, I believe it's there in uh, chapter 8, for God who, who commanded the light to shine out of darkness has shined in our hearts to give the light of knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. John chapter 3, he that does truth comes to the light, comes to that light. Verse 17, God sent not his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. He came to show that light, to shine that light, and to give that light to us that we, that people may be led out of the darkness of this world. You know, when you're in darkness, you can't see. There's nothing visible, visible and there are obstacles. Verse 18, he that believes on him is not condemned, but he that believes not is condemned already. You know, as long as they are still living in sin, as long as they are still living in darkness, you know, they stand condemned already. And they are lost in the darkness and less they repent unless they see the light, unless they turn to Jesus Christ. Verse 19, and this is the condemnation. That light has come into the world, but men love darkness rather than light, because their deeds were evil. It, you know, the, the evil deeds had a hold on them, has a hold on the world today. They didn't know which way to go. They were just lost in this darkness. So they were being disobedient. They didn't believe in, in God or, his, or the plan of salvation. 
Verse 20, for everyone that does evil hates the light. Neither comes to the light lest his deeds should be reproved. So as long as a person can get away with deception and lies and doing those things that are wrong, then they will lie to themselves and they'll fail to repent. Verse 21, but he that does truth comes to the light that his deeds may be made manifest that they are wrought in God. To live in truth, you know, is to come to the light. So we know the dark side of evil is a powerful force. It has a hold. It holds one in bondage to it. It's subversive. It intends to do away with what's right and what's good. It seeks a spot in the mind and in the heart and in the soul of man with influences that you know, are exciting, that are tempting, appearing to be safe, to be good. And people use all kinds of reasons to come up with why they do things, thinking that it's right, thinking that they have their own righteousness when it's not. But once caught up in it, it's hard to change or hard to want to change. It evil becomes a habit, and then it goes out to conquer and bring others into subjection. But Jesus came into the world to ward off the darkness of evil and sin, to be give us our light savor, so to speak. But Jesus prophesied, we know that in the last days, lawlessness shall abound, and it is grow large, and the result is that the love of many shall wax cold. Because it rubs off easy. Sometimes it's easier to hate than it is to love. And all we need to do, I guess, is just to look around at the world we see today. The hatred, the injustice, the oppression, the violence that is done to people the world over. There's a song that we used to sing. I don't think I have this in the uh, handout, but it's from Psalm 34 where it says, uh, this uh, song was entitled, Depart from Evil. But here we see that one must make a commitment to depart from evil. He must make a commitment to walk in the light and to the truth. In verse 11 of Psalm 34, if you wish to write that down in, on your uh, Hand out there. Verse 11. Come, you children, hearken unto me. I will teach you the fear of the Lord. Verse 12. What man is he that desires life and loves many days that he may see good, that he or she may see good? Keep your tongue from evil. This is one of those ways in which to uh, walk toward the light, to do what, uh, what's in the light. Keep your tongue from evil, that is, speaking bad, and your lips from speaking guile, which means fraud and deception. Depart from evil and do good. Seek peace and pursue it. The eyes of the Lord, and we have a choice in all this, but the eyes of the Lord are upon the righteous, and his ears are open unto their cry. The face, however, uh, of the Lord is against them that do evil to cut off the remembrance of them from the earth. 
So these words are some of the reasons why we read, why we study, why we come to church, is to learn of the way of God as the way, the truth, and the life. So the righteous cry, and the Lord hears, and delivers them out of all their troubles. We all have troubles. We all sometimes have darkness around us. Those things that dim the light that is before us. The Lord is near unto them that are of a broken heart, and save such as be of a contrite spirit. You know, God will draw near to those. He knows when we are distraught, when we are suffering, when we have depression, when we have doubts. He is near unto them. That was from verse 18. But let's go to Matthew chapter 22. The first and great commandment we know, which is master. They asked him, well, which is the first, which is the great commandment in the law? And Jesus said unto him, you shall love the Lord with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the first and great commandment. Uh, and the second is like unto it, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Along the way, uh, there are some key uh, scriptures in here, key verses to think about. For example, here in verse 37, is to love the Lord with all your heart. That will help you be in the light. That will help you see the light. And the other is, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. And from Psalm 34, the key would be just depart from evil, do what is good, seek peace, and pursue it. So which is a great commandment in the law? It's to love the Lord with everything you got. And to think of others as having, you know, the same needs as you. That way you'll, you can sympathize with them. Empathize with them. Matthew chapter 5, verse 43 Jesus said, you have heard that it has been said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say unto you, love your enemies and bless them that curse you. Do good to them that hate you and pray for them which despitefully use you. You know, in life, people can say harsh things to you. They can gossip about you. They can lie about you. They can say words that can hurt or demean you in various ways. They can bring about deeds and acts that bring pain, that, can, that are cruel words and they are hate-filled. But still, he said, the admonishment that we are given is to love and to show a godly love as Jesus Christ has shown to us, as he has shown to sinners and those who even persecuted him. And we are to pray for them and to do good unto them. You know, even as Jesus said there on the stake, as he was dying, as he was being mercilessly put to death, to a slow death, he said, Father, forgive them, for they don't know what they're doing. And the reason we do this, to, have, to love enemies and to bless them that curse us, for some it's really hard to forget. Sometimes it just, you, you can go... Uh, the evening comes and you're still thinking about it. You go to bed thinking about it. And you want revenge. But God says, Jesus says, to love your enemies. Why? Because in verse 45 it says, 
that you may be the children of your Father which is in heaven. For he makes his son to rise on the evil and on the good, and sends rain on the just and on the unjust. Sometimes that rain can be gentle. Sometimes it could be pretty well drenching, and it falls on the rain and the unjust at the same time. But Christ is saying that we, that as God has ongoing love and concern for one another, and the kind of, is, is the kind of love that we are to, ha- to have, the light that Jesus Christ shows us. Verse 46, for if we love them which love you, what reward do you have? Don't even the publicans the same? You know, the publicans, they were the hated tax collectors. They were despised. And I guess all they could do was greet one another because others probably turned away and walked away from them. But if, and if you salute your brethren only, what do you more than others? Do not even the publicans so. We know that it's much easier to befriend people that we know, that we're comfortable with, to rub elbows with. It's much easier. But verse 48, be ye therefore perfect, even as your Father which is in heaven is perfect. To be like, you know, God. We can't be perfect in the next moment, even the next day or the next week or the next year. It's Perfection is something that occurs in steps along the way as, you, as one matures. 1 John chapter 1, God is light. That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon and our hands have handled of the word of life. Christ was their light in the world. They saw him. They could see him. You know, when you, uh, at nighttime, if it weren't for the city lights or even the light of the moon or, or the stars, it would be pretty dark. And this, what people are pondering about, looking at, uh, wondering about, is the dark matter that we see, this darkness that, is, that can surround us. But God is light. That, was, that which was from the beginning, which we have, have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon, and our hands have handled of the word of life, for the life was manifested, and we have seen it, and bear witness and show unto you that eternal life which was with the Father and was manifested unto us. So that is their preaching to us today, that they saw the light, that it came from God. That which we have seen and heard declare we unto you, that you also may have fellowship with us, and truly our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. Is our fellowship still with the Father, the Son, Jesus Christ? These things write we unto you, that your joy may be full. This then is the message which which we have heard of him, and declare unto you that God is light, and in him is no darkness at all. But if we say that we have fellowship with him, but walk in darkness, we lie and do not the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another, and the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, 
cleanses us from all sin. John chapter 1, Jesus is the light of men. You know, in Jesus, it says in verse 4 that he was light, that he was life, and the light, life was the light of men. You know, he created all things. He created the space above and, and the earth below, living things, great and small, and also dark and light. Verse 5 of that particular chapter, I just want to drop down to uh, 5. I don't think this is on your notes, but... And the light shines in darkness. And it says that the darkness comprehended it not. This means that the dark could not overtake it, that light. This dark encompasses or it overwhelms, that it, but it could not seize any uh, or arrest the light. You know, when you enter into a dark room, we had a, a sermon, I believe, some time ago where Curtis, I think, had talked about the light and dark. You know, you flip on a light, turns on the light bulb, and, and you're able to see in the darkness. And we realize that the dark has no power over that darkness that is in the room. Because the dark, darkness could not comprehend it, couldn't envelop it, could not overwhelm it. There's just something about light in the darkness that makes things visible, even though, you know, there are surroundings where... Uh, it is all dark. So figuratively, the light opens our eyes to understanding. And it was Jesus who came into the world to give us light. Verse 6 of, chapter, of John chapter 1, There was a man sent from God whose name was John. The same came for a witness to bear witness of the light, that all men through him might believe. He was not that light but was sent to bear witness of the light. You know, I think in your King James you see that the word light is capitalized, meaning it's speaking about, about Christ. That was the true light, which lights every man or every person that comes into the world. Every person born is that speck of light. Now, he was in the world... And the world was made by him, but the world knew him not. He came into his own, and his own received him not. But as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. So when we see that this light has come into the world, that he gives it to man in order to see you know, he shines a light, and sometimes it's, you know, through the Word of God or through something we hear someone else say about the Word of God, we are shown the light. As many as received him, which is, you know, we can look around the room today, know that we have received him. To them gave he power to become the sons of God. So Jesus, in a way, is our, is our light savior to fend off those fiery darts of Satan the devil which verse 13 which were born not of blood nor of the will of the flesh nor of the will of man but of God so this speaks of those who come to believe in him and are will be changed from mortal to immortal at the resurrection born of God to enter into the kingdom 
Verse 14, the word was made flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. John bare witness of him and cried, saying, This was he of whom I spoke. He that comes after me is preferred before me, for he was before me, and of his fullness have all we received, and grace for grace. The law was given by Moses, but grace and truth came by Jesus Christ. And no man has seen God at any time. The only begotten Son, which is in the bosom of the Father, he has seen. He has declared him. So we look to the light, and we draw, to, draw near to him through study of his word, through the power of prayer that we often uh, say, and salvation is to all who believe. Isaiah chapter 56, thus says the Lord, keep you judgment and do justice, for my salvation is near to come and my righteousness to be revealed. You know, that's a kind of a, a, an awakening light to us. Keep you judgment and do justice, for my salvation is near to come and my righteousness to be revealed. You know, it says we see through a glass darkly, and we don't see everything as clear as we would like. And, you know, when you're young, you might be able to uh, have some time to explore what that means. But as you get older, you know, salvation is near to come. Righteousness is to be revealed. Blessed is a man that does this, keeping justice and do justice. Blessed is a man that does this, and the son of man that lays hold on it, that keeps the Sabbath from polluting it, and keeping his hand from doing any evil. Neither let the son of the stranger that has joined himself to the Lord speak, saying, The Lord utterly separated me from his people. Neither let the eunuch say, Behold, I am a dry tree. For thus the Lord, uh, for thus saith the Lord unto the church, unto the eunuchs that keep my Sabbaths and choose the things that please him and take hold of my covenant. So we do things that are pleasing in God's sight, where it says elsewhere in Scripture. In John, just as a side bar here, 1 John 3.22, it says that whatsoever we ask, we receive of him because we keep his commandments and do those things that are pleasing in his sight. So each day of our life, you know, are we doing things that are pleasing in his sight? And sometimes, you know, I, I don't live up to that all the time. I don't do things that are pleasing in his sight and oftentimes not pleasing in the sight of my wife, <laughs> Carolyn. But God watches. Verse 5, even unto them will I give in mine house, talking about the, the stranger and the eunuchs who feel left out, even unto them will I give in my house and within my walls a place and a name better than of sons and of daughters. I will give them an everlasting name that shall not be cut off. Also the sons of the stranger that join themselves to the Lord to serve him and to love the name of the Lord to be his servants. Everyone that keeps, my, uh, keeps the Sabbath from polluting it 
and takes hold of my covenant. Even them will I bring to my holy mountain and make them joyful in my house of prayer. Their burnt offerings and their sacrifices shall be accepted upon mine altar. For my house shall be called a house of prayer for all people. I think Art alluded to this, that kings shall come out of them. And we read in Revelation where it says that he has made unto uh, God, made us as, Lord, as kings and priests in, in that time to come, and we shall reign on the earth. You can imagine perhaps one day when you know, this life is over, when this age has passed, and it comes time for uh, Jesus to look at you and have that crown ready and place it you know, on your head. Place it right there on your head. And it's going to take someone who is humble because when that crown is on your head, are we going to look at it and see how many uh, jewels there are on it, how many points there are on it, or are we going to be a little more humble and not say my, you know, my crown is bigger than yours. You know, that's human nature. But that crown is a crown of glory in which Jesus Christ will say, well done, good and faithful servant. We look forward to that day. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, we have treasure in earthen vessels. For God who commanded the light to shine out of darkness has shined in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. So we behold Christ. We behold his teachings while he was here on earth. As the disciples beheld, they saw the glory of God in his face, even as Moses did when he had to put that veil on because when he came down from his uh, communication with God, that his face glowed. But we have this treasure in earthen vessels that the excellency of the power may be of God and not of us. So in spite of our various weaknesses that we might have, we have a fragile life. But nevertheless, the light of God lives in us. You know, these earthen vessels are like the clay, are like the clay pots that are they're easily broken, and, and, but they're cheap to replace. And when Paul said this, we have our treasure in earthen vessels, Paul saw this in himself, not that he was so important that he could not be uh, broken or replaced. And that's the same way in our life. We have this, this treasure in an earthen vessel. And as long as we protect it, keep it, with the help of God, with the help of Christ, then that earthen vessel will behold treasures that we have yet to see. Eye has not seen nor ear heard of the uh, things that God has prepared for them that love him. So we see in verse John, not verse John, but chapter John, chapter, uh, chapter 5, uh, the Father loves the Son and shows him all things that himself what, what he himself does. And he will show him greater works than these that you may marvel. For as the Father raised up the dead and quickened them, even so the Son quickens whom he will. For the Father judges no man, but has committed all judgment unto the Son, 
that all men should honor the Son, even as they honor the Father. He that honors not the Son honors not the Father, which is sent him. Verily, verily, I say unto you, he that hears my word and believes on him that sent me has everlasting life and shall not come into condemnation, but is passed from death unto life. So we see one of the key verses here in verse 23 is to honor the Son, even as the Father, even as they honor the Father. For as the Father has life in himself, so has he given to the Son to have life in himself, and has given him authority to execute judgment also, because he is the Son of Man. Marvel not at this, for the hour is coming, in the which all that are in the grave shall hear his voice, and shall come forth, they that have done good unto the resurrection of life, and they that have done evil unto the resurrection of damnation. Again, Matthew chapter 5, verse 14. Jesus tells us this, verse 14. You are the light of the world. You are a city that's set on a hill, and you cannot be hid. Neither do men light a candle and put it under a bushel, but on a candlestick, and it gives light unto all that are in the house. Kind of like those yard lights that we, you know, line our sidewalks with. You know, when darkness comes, you know, the light comes on to give light in the darkness. So let your light so shine before men that they may see your good work and glorify your Father which is in heaven. Philippians chapter 2. Let this mind be in you, verse 5, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation and took upon him the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of man. Likeness of men. And being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Wherefore God also highly exalted him and given him a name which is above every name that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow of things in heaven and things in earth and things under the earth that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God. And then we're told in verse 12 to work out our own salvation with fear and trembling and in verse 14, to do all things without murmurings and disputings. Verse 15, that you may be blameless and harmless, the sons of God, without rebuke in the midst of a crooked and perverse nation. Let's go to First John, chapter 2. Brethren, I write no new commandment unto you, but an old commandment which you had from the beginning, the old commandment is the word which you have heard from the beginning. Verse 8, again, a new commandment I write unto you, which thing is true in him and in you, because the darkness is past and the true light now shines. He that says he's in the light but hates his brother is in the darkness even until now. He that loves his brother abides in the light 
and there is none occasion of stumbling in him. But he that hates his brother is in darkness and walks in darkness and knows not whether he goes because that darkness has blinded his eyes. So as we walk in this world of darkness, we have a lot of reminders and you know, uh, the law of God is written in our hearts and in our minds and sometimes it helps us you know, have one of those little wristbands that says WWJD, what would Jesus do? 1 John chapter 2, let's go to verse 15, love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. And when you put your focus on the things that you see, which have under, uh, underpinnings of darkness, it may look good on the surface, but it's not. Because there, when you love the world first and not God or Christ, you know it said to love the Lord with all your heart and with all your soul and your, all your mind. But if any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. You know, the world has a lot of things that are interesting and exciting. And it takes away our time and it takes away our devotion and even our worship of God. Verse 16, for all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. And the world passes away, and the lust thereof, but he that does the will of God abides forever. So all these things are going to pass away. All the lust is going to pass away. Only he that does the will of God will abide forever. Verse 18, little children, <clears throat> it is the last time, and as ye have heard that Antichrist shall come, even now there are many Antichrists, whereby we know that it is the last time. People teaching against the law of God, of the way of Jesus Christ. They went out from us, but they were not of us, for if they had been of us, they would no doubt have continued with us. But they went out that they might be made manifest that they were not all of us. But you have an unction from the Holy One, and you know all things. I'm not written unto you because you know not the truth, but because you know it and that no lie is of the truth. Who is a liar but he that denies that Jesus is the Christ? He's the Antichrist that denies the Father and the Son. Whoever denies the Son, the same has not the Father, but he that acknowledges the Son has the Father also. Let that therefore abide in you, which you have heard from the beginning, that if that which you have heard from the beginning shall remain in you, you shall continue in the Son and in the Father. And this is a promise that he has promised us. Everlasting life. Eternal life. Verse 26, these things have I written unto you concerning them that seduce you. So there's a lot of darkness in the world. There are a lot of antichrists. There are a lot of opposite forces in this world that want to guide you into darkness. And unless we have the light of the truth, the light of Jesus Christ in our lives, then we could fall into a ditch. Verse uh, 37 of chapter 6, All that the Father gives me shall come to me, and him that comes to me I will know in no wise cast out. So if we've come to Christ, if we've come to Jesus to see the light, if we are here to, to worship him, to see what his will is in our life, to do his will, 
then he will in no wise cast us out. We have that assurance. Verse 38, for I came down from heaven not to do my own will, but the will of him that sent me. And this is the Father's will, which has, uh, which, uh, of him that sent me, that everyone which sees the Son and believes on him may have everlasting life, and I will raise him up at the last day. That's what we, you know, that's what we look forward to. That light gives us hope. That gives us uh, a light pointing in the direction that we should go as we live out our lives. So to those that were gathered unto Jesus there at the temple where he sat down and taught, and after saying to the woman to go and sin no more, Jesus came to give us life. He came to give us life and a light of hope and that our sins are forgiven. And what do we read? Then Jesus spoke again unto them, saying, I am the light of the world. He that follows me shall, walk, shall not walk in darkness, but shall have the light of life. So we believe in Jesus, we follow him, and in doing so, we follow the light to righteousness and to everlasting life.